0: Inna alhamdulillah Na ahmaduhu wa nasda'inuhu wa nasda'gfiruhu min shururi anfusina wa min sagi'ati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamun illala wa man yubliyif falahadiyala Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharikala. واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَّ رِجَالًا كِثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً وَتَقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا تَقُوا اللَّهَ وَقُولُوا قَوْلًا سَدِيدًا يُسْلِحْ لَكُمْ مَعْمَالَكُمْ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَمَنْ يُتِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا أَمَّا بَعَدْ فَإِنَّ أصدق الْحَدِيثِ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ وَخَيْرَ the one مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عليه وَسَلَّمَ one الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدَعَةٍ وَكُلَّ بِدَعَةٍ ضلالة. bikum We continue with our Monday night class Which we are covering Taqareem al-Islam Lil mara The honor of Islam for the woman The works of the noble sheikh Abdul Razzaq ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Badr Hafidhahum Allah We had arrived to the statement of the Sheikh where he was speaking about Islam. <speaking in the Hud Deen, a lady aslaha Lahu al Aqaid, al Aqaid, in the Hud Deen, a lady aslaha Lahu al Aqaid, wal Akhlaq, aslaha be he al Hayat al Dunya wal Akhira that indeed it is the deen the way of life the religion which by way of Allah has rectified the beliefs and the character and he also has rectified by way of this deen by way of Islam the life of the dunya and the life of the hereafter And then he went on to mention ظاهر المرض وباطنه وخلص به كل من اعتنقه وتمسك به من بَرَاثٍ الباطل ومهاوي الرذيلة ومنزلقات الانحراف والضلال. so the Sheikh mentions and by way of Islam. Allah has beautified the outward aspect of the individual as well as that which is inward from him. Allah has beautified the person, yani outwardly and inwardly, by way of Islam, Allah has beautified them. Outwardly and inwardly. And Allah has, by way of Islam, ridden everyone who embraces it and holds on to it from the claws and the grasp of falsehood and the turbulence of immorality. And from the slips and slides of deviance and misguidance. These are things that come with being one who holds on to Islam. Your creed is rectified, your character is rectified, your worldly life is rectified, your hereafter is rectified, if you die upon Islam, you are beautified. Outwardly and inwardly, personality, character is beautiful. The way you deal with people, the way you carry yourself and conduct yourself is beautiful. And inwardly, you are beautiful. Clean, pure heart, not one who harbors hatred and malice against the people without right person who has within him sincerity first and foremost this is the most beautiful aspect from within being a person who is sincere person has contentment in the soul as this is true richness the prophet sallallahu mentioned laysa allaghina an that richness is not having a lot of material possessions. وَلَكِنْ الْغِنَىٰ النَّفْسِ However, true richness is the richness of the soul, having self-contentment. This is the true richness, that richness that's from within. Islam gives the person. Head. The one who embraces Islam, And the one who holds on to Islam, Islam gives that to them. And this is a reminder for our noble and respected sisters in Al-Islam, that your beauty is in practicing the deen. That's where the true beauty is at. Beauty is not in being disobedient to Allah. No matter how many people praise you, For being disobedient to Allah That's not where the true beauty is How many times have there been a sister At one point, mashallah, she's holding to her deen She's making her prayers, preserving her chastity And she's covering herself as she should she has a social media uh, platform or page And really no comments on her worship Or her, the comments of encouragement to stay steadfast on the deen But as soon as she takes off her hijab As soon as she starts living a life of sin Here comes all of this praise this has happened. And the shaitan whispers to her, and beautifies this for her, that now she's getting the attention. Now the people are paying attention to her. First and foremost, the believing woman, she's not concerned about the attention of the people. So this protects her now from Doing things for likes, or doing things to be recognized and noticed by the masses Because the believing woman, she understands her purpose in life And that is to worship Allah and please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So she doesn't allow the social media to trap her This is one of the the traps and the tricks of the shaitan For those who are thirsty for recognition Right? Gets them to indulge in sin and publicize it on their social media, so now the people start looking and praising them, and then the person is getting the attention that they always wanted. That's a trap from the shaytan. So, sisters, don't fall victim to that. Especially that you're going to find people who praise you and speak well of you when you're doing wrong. But no, that, that doesn't make it right. Just because someone tells you you look beautiful without your hijab on, it doesn't make it right. You look beautiful exposing your body, and the women and men are commenting alike, it doesn't make it right. It's not beautiful with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Understand that your beauty is in the practice of the deen, your inward and outward beauty. As the Sheikh he mentioned, وَزَيَّنَ That Allah, by way of Islam, He beautified the person, outwardly and inwardly. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, by way of Islam, has rid the one who embraces it and holds onto it from the grasp and the claws of falsehood. Shaitan calls to falsehood. The shaitan calls to that which opposes Islam at times directly and at times indirectly. This is why it's important that you embrace and hold on to Islam in its entirety to the best of your ability, because this is where the protection is. As Allah mentioned, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا دُخُلُوا فِي السِّلْمِ كَافَةً وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا خُتُوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُومُ مُبِينَ All you who believe, enter into Islam in its entirety, meaning practice Islam as a whole, make this your life. Enter into Islam in its entirety. And of course, you do what you're able to do. But make this deen your life. Don't be one who half step as it relates to practicing the deen. Now enter into the deen in its entirety. And then what Allah mentions after that. Don't follow the footsteps of the (inaudible) shaitan. Indeed, he's an open enemy to you. What's the connection between these two affairs? When you enter into Islam in its entirety, that's your protection from following the footsteps of the shaitan. But when you're following the footsteps of the shaitan, this takes you away from entering into Islam in its entirety. Again, when you enter into Islam in its entirety, that protects you from following the footsteps of the shaitan who is your enemy, an open enemy, clear enemy. But when you're following the footsteps of the shaytan, this takes you away from entering into Islam in its entirety. And the shaytan, if he can't get you to leave Islam all at once, he's gradually pulling you away from the deen, with the hopes that he can one day strip you of your deen in its entirety. And the shaytan, here wait years He has patience upon falsehood. But he didn't have the patience to do what's right. SubhanAllah. He got patience upon establishing falsehood. What's the proof? Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumma, mentioned that for ten generations, the children of Adam, mankind was upon tawheed for ten generations. And then shaitan, iblis, he came to the people in the form of a man. And encouraged the people to make images and idols of some righteous men who have passed away. Saying to them so that when you see these images and these statues of these righteous men, it will remind you of them. And as a result, you remember Allah because the righteous men used to remind you of Allah. This was this is how the Shaitan Iblis came at them. He didn't say make the statues to commission to worship them. He didn't come directly like that. He came in the disguise of being one who wants good for them in their religion. But that's not what he wants. So the people, they made the images, put them in their, their gatherings or their places of gatherings and the like, so when they see the, these statues, these images, they remember these righteous men who used to remind them of Allah, then they remember Allah like that. Then once the knowledge was lost, He came back. See how He waited? Allah knows best how long was that time period. From when they first did it To when the people forgot What was the, the, the reason of making these images And these statues So he came to them when the knowledge was lost so that, It must have been some time in between that, And Allah knows best What's the actual time But the knowledge was lost Now he comes back and says to the people Do you know what these statues are for? People said no we don't know He said your forefathers used to worship them See, a shaitan, he has patience upon doing evil. He has patience upon falsehood. He has patience as it relates to gradually misleading a people, step by step by step. No matter how long it takes, as long as the end goal is that they are misled. And they, they leave off the tawheed, they leave off the practice, of the sunnah, they leave off the obedience of Allah and His Messengers. This is Iblis for you. So we say to our noble sisters, understand that your beauty is in your practice of the deen. Your beauty is not in disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's shameful. Your beauty is not in exposing your physical beauty that Allah has given to you. Allah has made you beautiful. But Allah has commanded you to cover your beauty in public. So don't disobey the one who has given you the beauty for the one who has given you nothing and is trying to strip you of your true beauty. So Iblis is trying to trap the people into falsehood. But those who hold on to Islam, those who embrace Islam, Allah rids them from the grafts and the claws of falsehood and from the turbulence of immorality and from those affairs that cause people to slip into deviation and misguidance. The shaykh says, إِنَّهُ الدِّينَ الْقَوِيمِ الْمُحْكَمُ غَايَةُ الْإِحْكَامِ فِي أَحْدَافِهِ وَمَقَاصِدِهِ وَفِي هِدَايَاتِهِ وَدَلَالَاتِهِ وَفِي نِهَايَاتِهِ وَثَمَرَاتِهِ That indeed, this deen is upright. And it is precise with the utmost Precision and perfection As it relates to the goals and the aims of Islam And likewise in the affairs of guidance And the direction that Islam directs the people in And that which Islam establishes From proofs and evidences And likewise in the end goal and what is going to be the results, and the produce from the practice of Islam. Islam is perfect in these affairs. When you understand, O noble Muslima, female servant of Allah, that Allah has chosen for you the upright way of life, the upright deen, Then you don't leave this upright way of life For a crooked way of life You don't leave the upright way of life For a crooked way of life Because the upright way of life The correct way of life What Allah has chosen for you this is the life of true happiness This is the life of salvation This is the life of tranquility As Allah mentions in the Quran Whoever does good Whoever Does an act of righteousness Or does righteousness Whether a male or female So here you are addressed Directly O noble sisters in Islam Whether male or female And the person is a believer You will cause that person to live a good life So Allah says this So the good life Is in Iman And Amr al This is where the good life is The good life is not in partying Drinking Hanging out with the girls Disobeying Allah Playing around with the men Being unchaste This is not the good life No matter how good it may feel it's the end result hey. That's the point a, Even if it may feel good It's only for the moment And then there's a temporary fear. Especially If the woman She has have some faith She may be partying and having a good time at the moment But then later on is the regret. like SubhanAllah, got disobeyed Allah and that's from Iman that you feel sorry and have regret over the sins you do. And sometimes that pulls a person out of the mud. That, 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 that amount of faith they have left in them. But then you have some situations where women have left the fold of Islam for what? For a good time. to Quote-unquote to enjoy life. Because the Shaitan tricked them to believe that Islam is too strict that these rules and regulations they are outdated. You're young, enjoy your life, love who you want to love, do what you want to do, be free. This is America to the end. <laughs> nah, you everybody life laughing, you know this is true. It's real talk. <laughs> And the men get caught up the same way too Don't think It's only the sisters But this is their class So I'm addressing them But the brothers get caught up in the same thing The men get caught up in the same thing Doing all this praying for This is shaitan You want, man, you're young man Enjoy your life man You know All these beautiful girls out here and Missing man you, you are square. This is how the shaitan make you feel out of place and then he, he sends the the shayateen from the from, from the ends. And sometimes you say these individuals are your friends, but what kind of friend is calling you away from being obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's not a friend, that's an actual enemy. It's not a friend. A true friend is going to encourage you to fulfil your purpose in life. It's so a true friend. True friend is not going to invite you to evil, invite you to disobey Allah, invite you to do something that is going to cause your Iman to decrease. A True friend is going to help you get stronger in your deen. That's a true friend. But the shaitan, he, he has his ways of deception. And He uses people Sometimes it may be a person you hold dear to in your heart But they're calling you to something That's not loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So you have to beware So the believing woman should understand That this way of life is the upright way of life This is the way of life that's going to bring about true happiness Iman and righteous actions. In this way of life, as the Shaykh he mentioned, is perfect with the utmost perfection, precise, with the utmost precision, as it relates to its goals and aims. What is the goal of Islam? The goal and the aim of Islam <laughs> Is that number one, you fulfill your purpose in life Which is the ibadah of Allah Islam is here to assist mankind and to direct mankind To fulfill the purpose of creation Which is ibadah Also from the goals and the aims of Islam Is that a person lives a good wholesome life A righteous life And Is consistent upon that From the goals and the aims of Islam Is that Not only do you Yourself live a good life By practicing Islam But you help others To live a good life By teaching the people Islam This is from the goals and the aims of Islam And then In doing all of this Islam wants you to get that reward The reward in this life And the reward where? In the akhirah These are praiseworthy And honorable goals What is the goal of disobedience? Except. The fulfillment of your evil desires temporary. And Again, it's, it's temporary where, where, where is disobedience going to take you? You, ha- you have to ask that question to yourself Here it is, you have Islam These are the practices of Islam These are the goals of Islam These are the promises of good for those who practice Islam you compare the evil that the shaitan is calling you to and what's going to be the outcome to Islam. It's no comparison. So this is where patience and the strength of one's patience is going to come in to be able to disobey shaitan and say no. And this is one of the aims and the goals of Ramadan that it helps us to be disciplined, to be able to say no to that which is haram. As it relates to the guidance, as it relates to that which Islam directs the people to, Islam is perfect, Alhamdulillah. Islam covers every aspect of life, Islam has guidance for all aspects of life. And the best of guidance is in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the end result, dying upon the deen, entering into paradise in the next life. And that's the ultimate Victory and triumph As Allah mentions Indeed The triumph is for The people of taqwa yeah. People who died upon Islam Died upon Iman The triumph is for them in the after This life is temporary Don't let shaitan Fool you to believe that there is no hereafter <clears throat> And that you only have one life to live That's so powerful One life to live It's before your time <laughs> I have <heard> it before. <laughs> uh, One life to live My great grandmother She used to watch the stories. And be sitting at the TV Talking to the TV man Like caught up like it's real I'm serious. My great grandmother, Grandma Nish. Now was Yolo, I think. Right? Say that again. I think now is Yolo. I don't know what it is you today. To yeah, no, it three years ago. You only, no, but seriously, But my grandmother, she just how much she was into the soap operas. Like mm-hmm. she be sitting in front of the TV, and I would be sitting there, and, and she—it's as if I don't even exist. She into the stories. No, don't go over there. Oh, oh! You stupid fool! She's not going at her stuff. A lot of people get caught up in the the, the TV and the entertainment and stuff. But that was one of the one life to live. And people, I'm saying the point: people, that's their model of life. You only have one life to live, but that's a lie. It's a lie. The scholars mentioned there are four stages of life. Life in the womb Life in the dunya Life in the barzakh And then life after The barzakh In Either to al-jannah or Four stages of life There's no one life to live But the shaitan tricked the people to think that this is it So we gotta go all out we gotta do. We gotta enjoy yourself Do everything you wanna do Live it up. Or oh, we'll starting to get rich or die trying. <laughs> all, these, all these type of models these people have. But these are shaitanic models. These models serve the plot and the planning of Iblis. These models don't serve the purpose of creation. But these models take you away from living your life in a decent and respectable manner As a believer Worshipping Allah These models are saying like This is it right here So you get all of the dunya that you can get By any means necessary It doesn't matter who you hurt It doesn't matter who you cross it doesn't, This is what these models call to Enjoy yourself Even if it means Cheating on your spouse Destroying your family It doesn't matter You had a good time that's, that's the plotting and the planning of Iblis. If worshipping an idol makes you feel good, do it. If smoking marijuana or using drugs make you feel good, do it. This is Iblis, that's his call. Why? Because you only have... One life to live, or you only live once. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you only live once. So It's falsehood, it's a lie, it's, 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 it's an illusion. You don't only live once. There's life after this world here. Yeah. And so many times in the Quran, Allah mentions about the hereafter In preparation for the hereafter and Mentions the evidences that there is life after death Like how The trees, the leaves die in the winter And then Allah brings them back to life again Like when springtime, summertime The leaves come back out Likewise We will die and then we will come back to life Or the example of how we all were dead. At one point meaning we didn't exist. And then Allah brought us into existence. There was a point we didn't exist. We wasn't here. And then Allah brought us into existence. That's the sign that Allah is life after death. Right now us being alive is the sign of this life after death. But Iblis, he wants to distract you and take your attention away from that. Because he already knows he's destined for the hellfire, he's doomed. So they have an old saying, misery loves company. He wants to take as much as burning Adam as he came with him to the hellfire. He knows he's going to hell. He knows he's going to burn forever. But Allah gave him respite Allah gave him respite until, Meaning he's, going, he's not going to die Until the Trumpet is born He will live until that time Then he will die And he will be resurrected like everyone else So shaitan is old Miserable Crafty Angry, upset, hatred towards mankind and especially the believers Don't be a victim Don't be a statistic Follow the direction and the guidance of Islam because it's perfect and precise And the end result of practicing Islam is a good one all of that which Islam informs of is the haqq and the It's true and it entails truthfulness. Like there are no lies in Islam, there are no lies in the Quran, there are no lies. In the Quran. In the speech of the Prophet. Of course, Islam is the truth because it comes from Allah who is Al Haqq. Allah says, Dalika bi anna al haq. That is because Allah He is the truth. So this Deen is the Deen of Allah. So if Allah is the truth, then the Deen is the truth also. The message of this deen is the truth. The rules and regulations of this deen, they are the truth. Allah says, وَمَنْ أَصْتَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا And who is more truthful than Allah in word? Another verse, وَمَنْ مِنَ اللَّهِ and Who is more true than Allah in speech? The Prophet said, Indeed, the most truthful speech is the book of Allah. Allah doesn't lie. Allah doesn't lie. And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is not a liar. He didn't lie prior to being a Prophet, and he surely he didn't lie after being a Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was known to be Al Ameen prior to becoming a prophet. And this is what the people named him. He didn't name himself this. The people named him Alameen, the trustworthy one. Because he was known to be a man of virtue, known to be a man of truthfulness, and uprightness, One that can be trusted by all. Look at the integrity of the Prophet Prior to him becoming a prophet, people would leave their things with him, to hold and to look after. After becoming a prophet, these same people became his enemies. Prior to him leaving, he gave them their property back. This is after they tried to kill him, have a bounty on him, and attack his, his companions and hurt the companions, killed companions. The Prophet still gave them their property back because this was a trust and a manner. Integrity. True being one who was truthful in his speech and actions and his dealings. This is Islam. Islam perfects you, noble sisters and Islam. Islam makes you the best of the people. It's the upright way. The way of shaitan, the ending is that you become the worst of the people. The shaykh says, وَأَحْكَامُهُ كُلُّهَا عَدْنٌ وَإِحْسَانٌ All of the rules and regulations of Islam are just and perfect. There is no oppression in Islam. Are there Muslims who oppress? Yes. Yes. But the deen itself, there is no oppression in the deen. The oppression comes from the people who attribute themselves to the deen, the Muslims. We are the ones who oppress one another. But this is wrong. But our oppression of one another should never be attributed to the Kitab and the Sunnah. The Kitab and the Sunnah is free from this. So if you ever have been oppressed by another Muslim, whether a husband, a sister in Islam, someone who's supposed to have been good and kind towards you. Don't let the shaitan use that as a means of making you have a hatred towards the demon Because of what a Muslim did to you. The blame is on that Muslim. The blame is not on the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. We have to learn how to distinguish between what is Islam and what Muslims do. Or they don't do. Two different things. Not everything that a Muslim does is Islam. These are facts. So we don't judge the deen by the actions of the Muslims. The actions of the Muslims are judged by the Deen. But this is one of the, the plots and the tricks of the shaitan. Get a Muslim to oppress another Muslim. And then come to the Muslim who has been oppressed and make the Muslim feel like Islam is to blame. Then what do they do? They start Practicing. Stop going to the masjid. Stop reading the Quran. As if Allah did wrong to them. But this is from Iblis. Allah didn't do any wrong. Allah has prohibited oppression. Allah mentions about Himself. And I am not one who is oppressive to the servants. So Allah says He doesn't oppress the servants. Allah mentions in Al Hadith Al Qudsi, Ya Ibadi, Inni haramtu ad dhum ala nafsi, wa ja'altu hu muharraman bainakum, falata O my servants, indeed I have made oppression haram upon myself. Allah has made oppression haram upon me. Allah doesn't oppress anyone. And I have made it haram amongst you So don't oppress one another Clear text We're not to oppress one another The Prophet ﷺ said yawm al That oppression is darkness on the day of judgment The Prophet ﷺ mentioned Al-muslim, akhul muslim, la yadlimu. The Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. It's not to oppress him. So oppression is forbidden in the deen. And all of the rules and regulations that are in Islam are against oppression. And have come to prevent oppression or remove oppression if it's present. But unfortunately, due to the weakness of Iman that we have in our hearts and Ignorance that we have with us and negligence Unfortunately at times we oppress one another And this is wrong And if we ever have oppressed any one of our Muslim brothers or sisters It's upon us to rectify that matter now Fix it now before there comes a day when you will not be able to fix it Except by way of your good deeds the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentioned "Atadaruna min al-muflis Do you know who the bankrupt person is? The Sahaba, they said al-muflis fina man la dirham lahu wala mataa The Sahaba they said the The bankrupt person amongst us is the one who doesn't have any wealth nor provisions. Tuaba sarullahi said al-muflis min ummati man ya'ti yawm al-qiyamah bi salatin wa sawmin wa sadaqah walakinahu shatama hadha wa qadhaf hadha وأخذ مال هذا وضرب هذا وصفكت ما هذا فيأتي هذا ويأخذ من حسناته ويأتي هذا ويأخذ من حسناته ويأتي هذا ويأخذ من حسناته فاذا فنيت حسناته قبل أن يقضى ما عليه أخذت من سيئاتهم (laughs) ثُمَّ <laughs> Prophet said, The banquet person amongst my ummah is the one who comes on the day of judgment with prayer and fasting and sadaqah. But he cursed this person Falsely accused this person Stole the money of this person Beat this person Unjustly shed the blood of this person So now this one will come and take from his good deeds This one will come and take from his good deeds This other one will come and take from his good deeds And if his good deeds run out Before he gives the people back their rights Then whoever's left Their sins are taken from them And placed on him And then he's thrown into the hellfire Dhu Suppression Look where it needs to Islam is just You wrong somebody You think you got away You didn't get away The accounting is waiting for you on the other side. This is why the Prophet said, whoever from amongst you has done wrong to his brother, then let him rectify it now, before the day comes when there will be no bargaining with wealth. There will be no fixing the situation with money. It's going to be good deeds and bad deeds. So all of the rules and the regulations of Islam are just. And perfect فما أمر بشيء فقال العقل ليته نهى, نهى عن شيء فقال العقل ليته أمر به ولا, أحل ولا شيء فقال العقل ليته حرمة وَلَا حَرْبَ مَ شَيْئًا فَقَالَ عَقَلَيْتَهُ أَبَاحَ وَلَمْ يَأْتِي قط إِلْمٌ صَحِيْهٌ يَنْقُلْ شَيْئًا مِنْ أَخْبَارِهِ الْعَظِيمَةِ وَلَا حُكْمٌ سليمٌ يبطل شَيْئًا مِنْ أحكامه الْقَوِيمَةِ This is an important part right here that Shaykh Abdul Razak is mentioning. May Allah preserve him. Allah has not commanded with anything. Or this deen, Islam has not commanded with anything. Anything. Allah's command is the the commandment of the deen. And then a person of sound intellect says, I wish he would have prohibited this. Nor has Allah prohibited anything, and then a person of sound intellect says, I wish he would have commanded this. Nor did Allah make something lawful, and then the person of sound intellect says, I wish he would have made this prohibited. Nor does a person of sound intellect says, regarding that which Allah has made prohibited, I wish he would have allowed this. People of sound intellect and it's key that is the people of sound intellect. They see the good and the rules and the regulations of Islam. They see the benefits in it. It is only those who intellects have become corrupted, they find problems with the rules and regulations of Islam. Because where does the corruption come from? Iblis, shaitan. Shaitan beautifies evil, and he makes good appear to be bad. Remember that Shaitan beautifies evil, makes it fair seeming, makes it seem delightful. This is the way of progress. But then when it comes to Islam, Iblis makes it to appear to be overburdensome, it's too much. All of this praying. All of this fasting, for what? All of this money you have to give in charity. Zakat 2.5% is not a lot. But it makes it seem like, you work hard for your money, why you gotta give your money away to, to the poor? What's wrong with them? They can work? If Allah wanted them to have, He would have decreed for them to have. Now He starts using the decree. It's the way of the shaitan, the way of Iblis. So the sound intellect doesn't oppose the rules and regulations of Islam. It's only the corruption of the intellect. Corruption of the fitrah. That's why the scholars, they say, and you look at the hadith, Maman Molud Illa Yu Lad Alal Fitrafa Abawahu Yuhawidani or Yunasiranihi or Yumajisani There is no child that's born except that the child is born upon the natural disposition. And then it's the two parents that turn the child into a Jew or a Christian or a fire worshiper The scholars say, do you notice That the Prophet Wasallam did not say or turn the child into a Muslim Why? Because Islam is the natural way of life Islam is the natural way. Islam agrees with the natural disposition of the human being. That's why, if you leave the child alone, the child will naturally incline towards Islam. Different from the belief of the Christians that man is born with original sin. This is a lie. You say, because of Adam's sin, every child is born with sin. This is a lie. But but then in the Bible you have that no father should bear the iniquity of the son and no son should bear the iniquity of the father. So that's a contradiction. Adam is the father of mankind. Why you say that everyone is born with sin because the father committed sin? And then there's the other verse that no child should bear the iniquity of the father. Contradiction clear. Alhamdulillah. We are not responsible for the sins of our father. <laughs> and nor is the father responsible for the sins of his child. Right? This is the, the, the general rule. But what if somebody says, Well, isn't there a hadith? Where the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam They're not going to say We're going to say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Right But is there not a hadith Where it mentions that Every time somebody kills somebody That the portion goes back to The first son of Adam You just said the person Doesn't bear the sin of another That's a contradiction in your religion How do you respond? Yes you <laughs> how do you respond? How, how do you respond? Well, they're following his precedent and due to him inventing or starting something and them following the precedent, it goes back to him. But as for the person themselves, okay. them committing their own sin on their own self, then that can't be held by somebody else. So why isn't why isn't Adam Alayhi salam receiving a sin every time somebody eats something haram. Because, because he's the first man to eat that which is prohibited to eat. So now everybody who comes after him and eats haram, why doesn't the sin go back to him? Well, because he regretted his sin because he disobeyed. Him. He made tawbah. That's the key a key point right there. Adam repented, alayhi salam. The son of Adam he didn't repent. And he's the one who set that precedence. So when you are the one who sets a precedence of evil amongst the people and the people follow you, and you, haven't, and you don't repent, you get a portion of the sin. You get a portion of the sin. Okay. Adam a.s. repented for, for what he did. Right? So, if anyone disobeys Allah after him, it doesn't go back to him. It's clear? But the son of Adam, he didn't repent. And Allah describing him as being one who was regretful, was due to what? The crow. Him not knowing how to bury his brother. So that thing, the particle, that... Because of the crow, after he seen what the crow did, burying another crow, he became from amongst those who were regretful for not knowing or having the knowledge to bury his brother after he killed his brother unjustly. And here it is, he had to learn from a crow. He was regretful for that. He wasn't regretful for the sin of killing his brother. That's why every time somebody kills somebody, He still gets a portion of the sin Because he never repented Never made toba So he set that precedence of unjust killing As for our father Adam salam, He made toba And Allah forgave him But even though he made toba the effects of the sin still remain. And this is a, a point here. Sometimes you can do a sin and you repent, but it doesn't remove the effects of the sin. What are the effects? If, if an individual sin. Adam, a. A. I, He got kicked out of paradise. It wasn't he made Tawbah, then Allah put him back in paradise. No, that's it. You're out. He made Tawbah, Allah accepted the Tawbah, but you can't go back to paradise like, like right now. You see? So the, the results of his sins still remain, even though Allah accepted his Tawbah. And sometimes that happens. We have to remind him of this. And sometimes sins have negative consequences. You can repent... And ask Allah to forgive you Allah will forgive you But the consequences is not removed The story of Adam and his Is a clear example of that So the point is Every child is born upon the fitrah Natural disposition Free from sin Unlike what the Christians say We carry a sin of Adam Adam repented for that sin And it doesn't, the ch- his children, his property do not inherit that But then look what the prophet says The parents right? The surroundings Sometimes it's not the parents It's the, the, it's the societies, the friends but the Prophet gave the example, the parents because they're normally the ones, they, 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 they are the initial ones who raise the child. The Parents turn the child into a Jew, or a Christian, or a He didn't say, or turn the child into a Muslim, because the Muslim is, or Islam is, the natural way of life. There has never come no sound knowledge to negate anything from the magnificent knowledge and information that Islam has given nor any sound just ruling can nullify the upright rulings of Islam you'll we'll never see it. anytime someone tries to do away with one of the rulings of the teachings of Islam it's through oppression it's through ignorance No one can never come with a sound argument to discredit Islam No one When we say Islam, we're talking about the text Yes, it's possible that uh, someone can come with an argument To discredit what some Muslims are doing, that's possible But our response is going to be, well that's not from Islam Right? You have Muslims, and this is real, who have the ideology of terrorists. That's real, That's not, this is not no make-believe stuff. They kill more Muslims sometimes than their non-Muslims do. And so now the people, they criticize them for the killing of innocent men, women, and children, and elderly, this is correct. This is something that is blameworthy and to be criticized. But is Islam to be criticized for that? No. What happens when these individuals are using ayat and and ahadith for the justification of their actions of killing the innocent? And here come the disbelievers criticizing Islam. We say, no, you can't criticize these verses, it's a hadith. Those individuals took those texts out of context. Those individuals apply a misunderstanding to those texts This is not the proper understanding and the proper practical application of those texts Alhamdulillah, we have Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam We can look at his life example Of how he applied those texts, as he is the Prophet and Messenger In comparison to what these individuals have done That's how we defend the Deen No one can come with anything sound and criticize Islam. Yes, it's possible to come with a sound criticism against Muslims because of the Muslims' failure to practice Islam correctly. That's possible. But never can anyone criticize Islam with a just criticism. Alhamdulillah. <سؤال> الشيخ يذكر <ميشنز> إنه الدين العظيم الذي يهدي إلى الحق طريق إلى طريق إلى طريق مستقيم، الصدق شعاره، والعلم مداره، والحق هوابه، ورحمة روحه، وغايته، والخير قرينه، والصلاح والإصلاح جماله وأعماله، والهودا ورشد زاده. من تركه ترق الاهتداء به رحلت عنه العقيدة القوية والأعمال الجليلة والأخلاق العالية النبيلة وحلت محلها أوهام العقول وتفاهات الآراء وسجن الأعمال ورذيل الأخلاق ديب. It is the magnificent deen That guides to the truth And The upright path This is Islam A magnificent way of life That guides to the truth So understand O noble sisters in Islam That whenever you are faced With decisions in life And Islam is on one side And then you have another decision That's on the opposite side of Islam Always pick Islam Because it's going to guide you to the truth And to the straight upright way Even though you may not see it Right away, even though that may not be clear to you right away. And this can be due to a lack of knowledge, right? Trust, trust the process as they say. When it comes to Islam, trust the process. Have faith and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He's going to direct you to what's correct. Have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that choosing that which Allah has legislated, this is the right choice and right decision for you. Even if the other choice seems like this an immediate gratification, immediate satisfaction, immediate triumph. It's an illusion. It's just an illusion. Islam is the truth. Islam is the right way Islam is the solution to our problems Not abandoning Islam Not putting Islam to the side So I'm gonna come back to that later But I'm gonna go do me over here for a little bit It's not the way Allah oh Allah. Shut up. Shut There is a principle I would like to share with the sisters, and I encourage them to memorize this principle. The not they say As-shari' La-ya'mur Illa bima maslahatuhu Kha-lisah Or-rajihah Again As-shari' La-ya'mur Illa bima maslahatuhu Kha-lisah Or-rajihah That the legislator Meaning Allah does not command with anything except that which its benefit is absolute or overwhelming. The legislator, the legislator does not command with anything except that which its benefit is absolute or overwhelming. la إِلَّا عَمَّا مَفْسَدَتُهُ خَالِسَةٌ أَوْ رَاجِحَةٌ And the legislator doesn't prohibit anything except that its corruption is absolute or overwhelming. وَلَا يَنْهَى إِلَّا عَمَّا مَفْسَدَتُهُ خَالِسَةٌ أَوْ رَاجِحَةٌ And the legislator does not Prohibit anything except that which its corruption is absolute or overwhelming What does this mean? The commandments of Allah In following him, the commandments of the Prophet Because his commandments are the commandments of Allah The commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Either they are entirely beneficial or overwhelmingly beneficial. That which is entirely beneficial like Tawheed. There's no harm in Tawheed, whatsoever. That which is overwhelmingly beneficial, striving for the sake of Allah, physically, but then there may be a slight harm, being injured, hurt, but the benefit outweighs the harm. Okay. Yeah. And then whatever Allah prohibits, is because it's entirely evil, like shirk. Or He prohibits, that's what's overwhelmingly evil. But there may be some benefit in it. But the harm outweighs the good, like? Al-Khamr al Alcohol, intoxicants, and gambling. A person may benefit from it when he sells it. Right? A person gambles, rolls four, five, six, CETO. He broke the bank, takes everything home. But then the harm is the stick up kid waiting around the corner for him, right? And kills him. Yeah. That harm outweighs that good. The harm is when the person Just lost all of his rent money In one row Yeah one row He loses everything He, He bet it all on one bet The harm is when the individual Takes that hit of drugs And he overdoses the first time Or he spends all of his Rent money and Money for groceries On drugs he gets his check, he doesn't, he doesn't go home. He got paid Friday night, he doesn't come home until Sunday night. has been out binging. When he comes home, he's broke, he doesn't have anything. Those harms outweigh the benefit of the money people may get from the selling of the drugs or in gambling. Or that good feeling that a person gets when he gets high. Because when the high wears off, it's back to reality. The drugs may make you forget the problems of the world temporarily, but you gotta come down at some point. Right? Like crack is a, shoot your way up there real quick, but Take it real high, but the come down is very quick. Come right back down, boom, slammed it. And this this is why you see them constantly chasing, selling it. It's an epidemic that happened here in New York City in the crack era, in, in, in the early 80s, mid 80s, into the 90s. I've seen this stuff from right in front of my eyes. Almost. And I wouldn't be exaggerating if I said that basically every home in New York City was affected by the crack epidemic in some shape, form, or fashion, directly or indirectly. Did people make a lot of money? They made a lot of money. Yes, they made a lot of money. But the harm outweighed that good, by far. Broken homes Crack babies A lot of the murder rate went up here in New York City Right And then after that they came with these laws lot. Like fathers gone Women gone Separated A lot of harm came out of it Which outweighs Any good And then you have now those individuals who are kingpins in the drug game, these individuals are now coming out of jail after 20-something years, 30 years in prison, and they're saying, don't do it. But in the time when they was in it, they didn't see it because they was blinded by the material gain, the temporary gain, the the gain that was Outweighed by the great harm But they didn't see it They didn't see the destruction they were causing So Islam As the principal mentions The legislator doesn't command With anything except that It's benefit is absolute or overwhelming And the legislator doesn't prohibit anything except that its corruption is absolute or overwhelming. And this is a nice point where the sister always remind herself of, that whatever Islam is commanding me to do, whatever Allah is commanding me to do, is because there is absolute good in it or overwhelming good of it, good in it. And whatever Allah is prohibiting me from doing, that's because that matter is entirely evil or overwhelmingly evil. So I'm going to stay away from it. This is how she makes her decisions in life. Based upon the principles of the deen, based upon the knowledge of the deen. And this is how she protects herself. Truthfulness is the slogan of Islam. This is the outward symbol and the model of Islam. Justice is what Islam is based upon. Truth. This is the strength of Islam. The that protecting nature of Islam because Islam is the haq. This is what Islam is maintained by way of it being the truth. Islam is protected by the truth. Right? Allah protects the deen. The deen hasn't become corrupted, walhamdulillah. The texts are in the Quran is the Quran. The same Quran Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had we have the same Quran. The same sur- we have the same sunnah. The other walks of life in religion, their texts are are missing, gone, corrupted, tampered with. They can't make the claim that we can make. And if they do make the claim that we make, they can't prove it. We can prove it. Mercy is the soul of Islam. Mercy. A merciful way of life, and this is the the soul and the goal, as they they say. The soul and the goal of Islam, alhamdulillah. Goodness is the companion of Islam. Righteousness and rectification is the beauty and the actions of Islam. Guidance and giving direction is the provision of Islam. So whoever leaves this, then he has left off being guided by way of it. Whoever leaves Islam, then he has left off being guided by it. Understand that. Like when you leave the deen, you leave its guidance. So the shaykh, he says, whoever leaves it and leaves off being guided by it, because it's, it's, those two are connected. Whoever leaves it and leaves off being guided by it. Because the shaytan, when he gets a person to leave Islam, he gets the person to have disdain and hatred for the deen. To where once they looked at Islam as being guidance, now they look at it as being misguidance in the wrong way and corruption. Look at some of the apostates, and how they speak bad about Islam after once believing in Islam. They left the deen, and they also left the guidance of the deen. But what happens when the person does that? The upright and correct creed leaves. And the noble actions leave. And the high standard of character it leaves to. Whereas the person was once a person of high noble character, when was practicing Islam, now his standards are lowered now. Becomes the lowest of the law. And doubts superstitions, corrupt views, evil actions. These things take the place of the guidance. The immoral behavior takes the place of the morals the individual once held and had. This is what happens when a person leaves Islam, and leaves off being guided by Islam. Evil takes the place. And even if a person doesn't leave Islam in totality, but they leave off being upright in Islam, and they start to live a life of sin, the degree of what they have left off of Islam, they're still Muslims, they're still within the fold of Islam, but the degree of what they have left off of the practice of Islam, the evil comes in place of that. So you have a Muslim man, Muslim woman, when they were practicing and being strong upon the being, they were upright, they were chaste, detested, zina, fornication and adultery, Detested the consuming of intoxicants They got weak in their religion Stop practicing that What comes now? Now you find a person indulging in fornication and adultery The person knows it's wrong They don't believe it's right They're still Muslims They know what they're doing is wrong But those evil actions have now taken the place of the righteous actions that the person left off So understand that whenever you leave off the righteousness, whenever you leave off being guided by Islam, evil is going to come in its place. This is the point the Sheikh is making. Evil is going to come in its place. Where once the sister was shy, she leaves off the practice of Islam to a degree, she loses her shyness, now she's lewd. How many of our sisters have fallen victim to what the Sheikh has mentioned? Leaving off righteous actions, leaving off being guided by Islam, and then the evil comes in place of that which they have left off from the deen. And they're just holding on by whatever they're holding on to. And then may Allah guide our Muslim brothers and sisters back to what's correct, those from amongst them who are living a life of sin and wa as-salam, transgression and out there, we make dua for them because they're still our brothers and sisters in Islam. We make dua for them. But before that we make dua for ourselves that we don't go that route and we ask Allah Subhanahu to keep us firm and to guide them this is very important because don't think it can't happen it can happen to any one of us like if you see a muslim struggling in his or her practice of the deen know that that can be you that can be me no one from amongst us has the guarantee that you know we will never go astray and this is why the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us by way of his action to make the dua يَا مُقَلِّبَ الْقُلُوبِ ثَبِّتْ قَلْبِي دِينِكَ O turner of the hearts, establish my heart upon your religion. And he asked the messenger said, why did you make this du'a so much? The Prophet used to make this du'a abundantly. Why do you make this du'a? He said, because the hearts are between the two fingers, of the fingers of Ar-Rahman. يُقَلِّبُهَا كَيْفَ يَشَاءَ He turns them however he wills. So you never know, that can be us. We don't look down upon our brothers and sisters as if, you know, we are above them in, this, in, this, in, a, in, a, in a manner of, like, holding them in content, that they're worthless. Now, we don't do that. We thank Allah that we're not tested, but we're being tested with or afflicted with. and we make dua that Allah helps the person to get out of that situation. And if we're able to help them, by way of giving a good word, directing them, inviting them to come back You know, with wisdom and beautiful speech And using the Islamic mannerisms of calling someone who is in a state of sin if we are able to do that, we do that But we don't curse them The Prophet reprimanded the Sahabi who cursed Abdullah who used to drink and they would bring him in front of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the Prophet would order that he be punished. They would beat him. And then one of the companions said, "You have been brought like, like so many times. You have been brought for this crime of consuming khamr And he said, "La curse of Allah upon you." The Prophet said, "La don't curse him." Said, for indeed, he loves Allah and His Messenger. He's struggling with the. With alcohol addiction he was Many times he was brought for the crime of drinking But that didn't Negate that he still had good in him The prophet punished him now Don't forget that part He was punished But at the same time The prophet didn't allow anyone to go overboard In how they viewed him and how they spoke about it. So we may see a brother or sister of ours that's struggling with sin and disobedience and the lack of practice. Try to pull the person towards that which is good. Don't chase the person away. Perhaps a good word you may say to the person is a reminder the, remind the reminder benefits the belief, The person is a believer. Still, the person's Iman is just weak and is in a bad state. But it's possible that you can give that person a reminder and the person comes out of the slump. It's possible you can give that person something that will be a means of guidance for them. You know, subhanAllah, we give up on each other too fast. We give up on each other too fast And we think that all the time You know when we advise somebody They're supposed to just take the advice From the first time we give it to them Sometimes it takes more than Speaking to a person one time How many years the Prophet had to speak to the Quraysh before they finally accepted Islam Years Years And then afterwards they became the best of the Muslims even Abdullah himself, even after the Prophet that he continued to drink. Until something that he loved to do was somewhat taken away from him. And that was participate in jihad for Allah taala, As he was commanded, he was ordered to be arrested and like imprisoned. And at the time there was a battle going on. And we know the story, we've heard it before But the, look at the shahid, look what it took for him To finally say, you know what I'm done with that I'm not doing that anymore For the sake of Allah, I will never go back to that again So you don't give up on the person Yes, we take the proper Islamic stance Sometimes you have to be strong And give tough love to our brothers Sometimes that's necessary Right? But we don't push the Muslim away so now you You push them so far away now that, Like he's just now He's going over there with the kuffar And then possibly apostate from the dean Sheikh with Amin He said if a person came Smoking cigarettes Which is evil It's haram But you ran him away and when you run him away, it's going to lead him to go to the bar and drink khamar. The sheikh said, don't run him away. Because drinking khamar is worse than smoking cigarettes. So what the point he was making, when you're enjoying the good and forbidding the evil, if your enjoyment of the good and forbidding the evil is going to push the person to do more evil, don't do it. Try to find another way to resolve the situation. Gotta have Wisdom. And I say this to our sisters because I'm, you know, For those who know Other sisters who are struggling Be careful how you deal with them Because you don't want to push them further Into sin and disobedience The object is to pull them out By Allah's permission Making dua for them Being kind with them Speaking to them We're not justifying sin now We're not justifying sin We're not promoting no sin But there's still a way to deal with the sinner there's still a way to talk to the sinner with the hopes that Allah will allow your words to touch the person's heart. This is the point here. And this is what we find from the teachings of the Prophet Sometimes some people, again, need that tough love. And that's what straightens them up. If that's the case for that person, okay, then we apply that to that person. But the origin is gentleness and kindness and being lean when dealing with the people. Now, regarding, regarding like the that Prophet, that Prophet sallallahu alayhi said wa sallam said Everything that intoxicates is khamr mm-hmm. and all khamr is haram you can put any name you want on it. Spirits. Chocolate tie. Uh, Dr. Feel Good, Whatever you want to name it. If it intoxicates, it's khamar. Because people change names of things. Changing the name of something doesn't make the thing halal if it's haram. Back in the days, they had a drink called cool breeze. It's khamar. They called it cool breeze. I think on the lady was like a beach... It, 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 it. It's Haram, it's Khamar Long Island Iced Tea Sounds harmless, right? Khamar Sisco. That's a cool name That's the worst of this Let's It's called it Liquid Crack So the people, they have these names on these labels and stuff But at the end of the day, it's all Khamar Brass Monkey Thunderbird Johnny Walker red all these names of people, places, just names they've made up, at the end of the day is still Khamar. And the prophet foretold that the people will come in the latter time and they will name Khamar by other than its name. So it's not permissible to use any It is not permissible to use the things that intoxicate. These things are Khamar. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi mentioned that there is no cure in that which is haram. Okay. It's a hadith, clear hadith about this. There is no cure in that which is haram. So we stay away from these things. To the best of our abilities. Then honey is a cure for everything, right? It could be. But then maybe sometimes some people, depending on their health situation, it may not be it may be harmful. Not because of the honey itself, but because of the person's condition. The honey itself is is, is a cure. When I say stay away from the honey, but I don't, I, I'm not trying to go against the because The prophet said, uh, When I command you to stay away from something, or when I prohibit you to stay away from it. Everybody has the ability to leave off the haram. right? As for people who may have a certain uh, Circumstances, I'm not getting into that I'm talking about People using drugs Like intoxicants To cure themselves This is not allowed in Islam So the scholars This is another question So the scholars who develop principles in the being How do they do that? From the text From the Quran From the hadith And from how the prophet Practices it Looking at the seerah of the Prophet with the text and how he will implement And they say, okay, this means this This principle is extracted from this Like the Prophet when Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam When Umar said, O Messenger of Allah, let me strike the neck of this munafiq The Prophet said, no, I don't want it to be said that Muhammad kills his companions So they said, okay, will we extract from that that when you're faced with two evils You pick the lesser of the two evils to repel the greater evil the greater evil is people being deterred away from the deen The lesser evil was to leave the individual alone who was causing some harm, leave them alone And like the thing with the Ka'ama too For sure you know, So these are the, the principles that the scholars, come up their proofs for And if you read the books of al kawad al You'll see, they'll be mentioning the proofs Sometimes you'll find the text where they just mention the principle. They don't mention the proofs for it. And then another Shaykh may come, or the same Shaykh may come, and then he explains it. And then as he's in the explanation you see, this is based upon this hadith, this is based upon this incident that happened in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. So these principles have proofs and evidences for them. So the uh, Arab, they're known like when it's mentioned in the Sunnah, and in the Qur'an, like they grow up and they live in like a society where it's more of like a rough nature type of thing. So like for people that live in that type of environment where it's like kinda rough nature, like what can be something to like bring like, you know, something softening to like socialize with the people. How the prophet dealt with the better one who peed in the master? Who is it with with Israel? Okay. How the prophet dealt with them when they would come to ask questions and be rough? Did he run them away? Okay, we have the example right there. You just have to read. We have to study, we have to learn. So everything is right there. Whatever you're looking for is there. Whatever answer your question you have about it is right there. This is how we have to read, we have to research, we, you know, we have to, to learn, we have to ask the scholars and learn from their works. So they're right there, right there. There's no situation that we're gonna face in life that didn't already happen. Even with all of the technology and stuff, there's still things that we can refer back to even in this modern age. Okay, we have airplanes now. They didn't have airplanes back then, but they, they had means of travel. They had means they boats. So now you're on an airplane, you can't stand. What do you do? You sit down and make Just like if you was on a boat and you couldn't stand because you may fall off the boat, you sit down and make salat. So you see how there's nothing that's going to come about except that something in the past has already happened that we can refer back to, right? Allah completed the deen centuries ago. Allah knew what was going to come in the future, right? You gotta remember this. Allah knew what was going to come in the future. The scale He completed the deen hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So that means that the deen is suitable for all times and places irregardless of whatever technology That comes, or whatever modern technology or modern practices or modern state of living that the people come with, the dean is still going to be suitable. All times, all places.